Hello and welcome to the Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson and with me as always are my buddies Tej and Schnell. How are you guys doing? I am what up, hive mind? <laughs> there it there is. You. Also, there's, you know what? There's the auto-include. <laughs> Teach <laughs> is back this week. His fucking, his Hi. headphones and mic are working. Uh, Jesus. The yeah, technical I difficulties have been resolved. <laughs> For now. Not sure we'll what, what I happens. did, but I fixed it. It's, it's back. He's here. genius right here. <laughs> uh, it just was a delayed genius response, but <laughs> it worked, and he's here, and we're happy. Uh, so, yes. War of the Spark, pre-release weekend. delay joke? war of the spark pre-release weekend it's coming up it's this weekend so we're going to do a recap of that next week like we did for you guys for ravnica allegiance but we're going to go into the weekend with this episode and we are just going to preview a handful of the cards from each of us that we're all really excited for and we're going to go kind of a little more in depth into why why we picked those cards and why we're excited for them before we get that far let's pump the brakes and talk about what we've been up to since the last time we all got together for the show. So, Tej, we'll start with you. What what have you been up to in Magic since the last time we talked to you? Oh, man, I don't even remember when the last time you talked to me was. I don't either. So long ago. <laughs> Try not to talk um, to you outside of recording anyway. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> hey, man, I saw you in church. You were acting real weird. I told you, don't look at me, don't talk to me. <laughs> Not outside the cast studio, gentlemen. Me, Mace, uh, Mace Bleak. <laughs> <laughs> basically, basically, he been up to no good speaking. Uh, mostly, I've been doing a lot of Commander the past couple of weeks. I was uh, re-sleeving all of my decks, tuning some of them up. I've only got one more deck to go through now, um, and I've been piloting the uh, the ones that I've been making recent changes to. Um, in addition, uh, my good friend Schnell over there helped me to finally acquire the Ur-Dragon Precon, which I've been after for a very long time. So I finally have one of those in my possession. Thank you, Schnell. You also forgot to pick up Ixadron last time you were here, if you still oh. wanted that one. Uh, I found mine. Oh, okay. So you can you can you can file that one away for another lucky player. Uh, well, no, it's just going to go back in my failed uh, morph EDH deck list. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right then. But yeah, so I was also on the quest for Ixodron and I found it. But yeah, uh, EDH playing a lot of that recently. Uh, I really like EDH, you guys. I don't know if I've ever told you that or not. Um, Maybe once or twice. I really like it too, man. But it's pretty fun. Other than that, uh, I finally uh, sat down and built the uh, Red Challenger deck on, on Arena, card for card. Been playing that. That deck's pretty strong. Yeah. So, and then I, I thought about, uh, I think I did a draft. I think I did a, uh, and whatever the hell it was. 19. Didn't do so, so hot. Yeah, something like that. And then I decided not to uh, spend any more of my resources until uh, War comes out. So... Yeah, looking forward to that. Going to amass me some zombies. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Heck yeah, it is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Nothing uh, terribly exciting. So when you say you were doing the M19 draft, was that on Arena or was that in paper? That was on Arena. Got it. Okay. I don't think I've drafted in paper since uh, Guild of Ravnica. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I have to do grown-up things and grown-up things suck. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Uh, Thankfully, Sunday tax late. season is finally over. <laughs> right? Oh, and that's yeah. why I'm really looking forward to uh, heading up to Chanel's store this weekend, because it means 
like actual paper magic with my friends. <laughs> Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam, give you all your magic money back. <laughs> he sure did. That thieving he, bastard. He tried to with me, and then just before he did, my student loan people were like, "Hey, hey, hey." We want to buy magic cards too. <laughs> so I graciously shared all of my refund <laughs> with Great Lakes yeah, Loan Services. Sally May, I hope you build a sweet legacy deck with my ref- refund. <laughs> you bitch. Oh. You're so good. You're so good to Sally May. What about you, Schnau? What have you been up to? <laughs> as I was as I was commenting before we started recording. I bought several thousand dollars worth of magic cards today, and it that is glorious. where that is where my brain shuts off as far as magic memory right now. Because I picked up like four duels, a candelabra of Taunos, a ton of antiquities card. I almost said rares, but I don't think antiquities technically had rares. I don't know, Tej, you can val- uh, verify that for me. Uh, but I lots, think you're correct on that. But lots of just super valuable old cards that are in near perfect condition. Because the guy who who had them played magic a couple of times, went, eh, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put these in the in a box, and I'm gonna put them in a closet, and I'm gonna wait 20 years and sell them to Schnell. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe when you sent us the picture, the quality, like the the condition of these cards. Oh, I mean, yeah. oh, it looks yeah. like it looks like he just took the shrink wrap. I mean, or the plastic wrap off the the you know starter there, deck well and there's like a freaking uh i've got uh in this little collection here of stuff the magic rule books from ice age and what else here's the how to play ice age in magic uh mirage oh nice the the card insert checklists for portal <laughs> if you need to know how many cards are in portal i've got the checklist cards <laughs> that they gave you <laughs> So just neat, like magic antiques at this point, that are just fun to have. I'm not. I'm not going to try and sell those. I'm just going to go. Hey, check this out. This is something that I have. Do is you the, have one of these? Is the Ivory Charm the cover photo for the Mirage Rule Book? Yes. Am I remembering that correctly? Okay. Yes. Okay. That's cool. Um, so I spent all of my store's rent money on magic, and then some. I also took in lots more cards beyond that, but those were all like boring $5 cards and not hundreds of dollars. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> like 13 cards on my list equaled like $2,400. Magic is ridiculous. I don't know how you people do it. <laughs> um, but no, actually, ac- yeah, actually playing Magic, um, haven't had much time to play in like, because I, I work constantly sorting Magic cards and I've had to deny uh, customers the opportunity to play against me because I keep buying magic collections to sort. So in my off time after hours, I've tried to play a little bit more arena. And because Nelson was bragging about hitting some new level the other day, I don't remember. I got all jealous and finally decided to crack into ranked play myself. And I've been alternating between the mono red list that I've, I've got my slight take on it. The, uh, I made the changes I recommended in the uh, challenger deck red list as well as the modified mono white uh, list. I've been alternating between those, and in about a day and a half of downtime, I'm at like silver two already, starting from scratch, so. Nicely done. Just powering through, pretending to be good at magic. Yeah, I've never done, I've never done uh, 
draft ranked. I only do uh, constructed. Oh, I did a draft the other day because it was just after store close. I had uh, it was last week Thursday. Just after store close, we have uh, Adventure League D and D going on in the back. So I was up front wasting time, and I'm like, I'm gonna draft since I haven't in a while. I went with it was a uh, Allegiance, and I built a Demir deck, or not Allegiance, uh, Guilds, and I built a Demir deck, and I got the crap kicked out of me every single match. It was super depressing. I couldn't draw anything I needed any game. I had to mulligan down to four to get at least two lands for God. one one hand. Just Arena decided that, eh, you've done too much lately. Not today, Chanel. Done. <laughs> we'll take your 5,000 coins, and we will kick you in the junk, and you'll thank us for it. So, Did you at least get any decent cards to add to your collection? No. <laughs> Just no, like no, everything. Just, no, no dice. <laughs> well, and like every single prize pack that I've gotten in the last couple of days has just been like shitty split cards from Allegiance. Like I got two uh, thrash to threat or thrash and threat cards in a row. Back to back packs had those, and I went, okay, I'm just. I'm like two seconds away from just deleting this stupid program. <laughs> Your game sucks. Yeah, yeah. It was it was not fun, but yeah. Uh, very, very excited to uh, go through the rest of the collections that I bought recently and play a little bit more Arena and try to get up to Octuple Platinum or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Prove myself worthy enough to play the exact same deck list as everyone else who plays the exact same deck lists <laughs> <laughs> to get up there in Arena, but... I don't know. It'll be fun, and I am absolutely stoked for uh, pre-release this weekend. Yes, I'm very excited for that as well. It's going to be a blast. That's me, my cue. So what have I been doing? Just a bunch of arena. Like I said, I'm waiting for Paper Magic until this weekend once I get up to the shop for pre-release. So I have been doing a lot of ranked constructed play. And, you know, a lot of people... So, Chanel, the... um, uh, what am I trying to say? The the level that you're talking about. So I got up to gold over the weekend and I found out really fast that once you hit gold, mono red is all anybody plays. Yeah. So I ran into a lot of, I mean, you'd see mono red here and there and some is it stuff here and there, but then you'd run into some more mid range stuff, you know, and that's, that's what I have been playing. I've been playing Saltai and Abzan mid range, my Saltai Explorer with hostage taker and hydroid crassus. And then my Abzan Angels with uh, Shalai, Lyra, Seraph of the Scales, and then like Mortifies and Chupacabras and whatever. So I've been playing a lot of mid-range. And then, like I said, I hit gold and holy crap, I just, I got to play something different because the mid-range does not have the gas to keep up with half the crap I've run into. Yeah. So I'm going to have to pivot and I will probably make that same red deck that everybody else is playing with. And see if I can't out red deck someone else's red deck, but no, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it must be it must be something in the arena water right now because I've I pulled two the thrash and threats yesterday, not in consecutive <laughs> packs, but <laughs> in packs yesterday I got them. I couldn't tell you the last time I found a mythic card, wild card, or a regular you know just pulling a, a an actual mythic card. So I've been just hitting a bunch of jank rares, which is whatever I, I wonder if the amount of wild cards you currently have affects card pulls at all because i also haven't i like i have probably eight 
mythic wild cards and no rare cards, and I just keep getting crap rares, I don't get any myth. I haven't pulled a mythic in probably like three weeks. I used all my mythics I the other day. I used some them insight up. on that. I don't yeah. remember what. Oh yeah, go on. Um, uh, Arena has this thing where you will never get more than four copies of a rare. Yes, that is true. So when you open your fifth, if you're going to get a fifth copy of that rare, they just replace it with a rare that you don't have four copies of yet. Yep, it automatically ah. switches. Okay. That is very true. Now, so do they still point. do the vault system, or is that in place of the vault system? The vault no, is... that's in addition to the vault. It's in addition okay. to the vault, yep. The vault is still there for commons, uncommons, and uh, it's still for rares and mythics, right? It's every card level? Yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's just a way to, instead of... Uh, and then, what is it? After you hit a certain threshold of of cards, you end up getting gems, don't you? Instead of... Copies. Once you have yeah, once you have four of every rare in a given set, you'll start getting gems in your rare slot. That's right. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what. Are you laughing because I said rare slot? No, I'm laughing because you said get a gem in your rare slot. <laughs> I was going to say I like the whole phrase, not just rare slot. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. take a gem in my rare slot. Fair yeah, enough. no, no, no. You're right. You're right. So that's that's what I've been up to. Got up to gold. Was really happy about that. I was telling my wife, hey, I finally put the time and effort into it i ranked up the gold she was like okay so so am i good enough for you yet so so instead (laughs) so instead i took a picture of my screen and sent it to you guys and i felt a lot better about you guys saying oh sweet nice job then you know if you if you weren't like an hour drive from me i would have put out that night (laughs) that's right i like it that's why we're friends (laughs) you hit gold are you seeing anyone (laughs) you free tonight stud so yeah uh, we've been talking about it. <laughs> That's my transition. Hard, hard transition. So yeah, good transition. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now. It's finally here. The full War of the Spark set's been spoiled, and now we can talk about it. We've been trying to avoid in-depth discussion on specific cards up until this point. So what we did was we each came up with a list of about five cards that we are really excited to get a chance to play, whether that be in you know, standard, uh, if we think it might be playable and modern, uh, obviously this set is going to have a lot of new, a lot of new stuff for EDH. So that could be kind of a, a selling point to cards too. So let's, uh, who wants to, who wants to go first? Does I have a couple honorable mentions. Do you guys have anything you want to make an honorable mention or is that just me? Uh, I'm still just cropping my list down as we talk. So and I'll just throw out stuff if I feel it's relevant. Yeah, we'll okay. chime in. You okay. start us off. All right, cool. Well, my honorable mention list, uh, I, I put three on there. And the first one is Deliver Unto Evil. And there's a few <clears> reasons <throat> I put that on my honorable mention list. The first is because, like, you know, 98% of the Magic playing population, I love anything Seb McKinnon is doing right now as far as <laughs> art is concerned. Bankrupt in Blood was just... Pardon my language, fucking phenomenal. Um, And Deliver Unto Evil is really cool. I believe, Tej, this was the artwork that you said, I really hope they turn into a wall scroll, right? Yeah, wall scroll. I think when we were talking about it. Yeah, I think uh, Playmat, they're going to do a Playmat. They are doing Playmats, yeah. Yeah, the Playmats playmats look really cool. And so basically it's a huge hulking Nicol Bolas kind of leering down. There's Gideon kneeling, Chandra behind him, Ajani behind her, and Jace behind him. And so this card, choose up to four target cards in your graveyard. If you control a Bolas Planeswalker, return those cards to your hand. 
Otherwise, an opponent chooses two of them, leave the chosen cards in your graveyard, and put the rest into your hand, and then exile, deliver unto evil. So it's a really cool card that I'm excited to actually get to try to play, but I also love that art so, so much. Deliver unto evil was uh, one of the cards on my list, which is why I did so many. So we can check it off. <laughs> Stealing them already. Um, uh, didn't make my cut. Not good enough. <laughs> dies, <laughs> dies to counter magic. Sucks. No, I mainly threw it on there for the art. Uh, yeah, that's fair. The art is in, fucking awesome. In my well, and, in my opinion, best art in the set right there. Agreed. It's just something you don't see often on cards anymore. And but, I think um, we should clarify because we had we had heated discussions in the chats as far as card quality. From what context are we each judging? cards oh, all because over the place. What, whatever whatever you want whatever makes that card stick out to you okay okay because you're gonna find out with the first one on my list i'm coming right back at the two of you after a conversation we had <laughs> like a week ago and not in a, not in a bad way but i'm pretty sure it's a card that at one point all three of us probably shit on <laughs> but, but it's on my list now so we'll but we'll get there when we get there most uh, memorable card <laughs> my second honorable mention goes to tolsamir friend to wolves just because I love Tolsmere's character, and I'm really happy that he's coming back. He's a 3-3 legendary elf scout for two generic, two green, and white. And when he enters the battlefield, create Voja, friend to elves, a legendary 3-3 green and white wolf creature token. And then whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. So I am looking to see how this card can play in EDH with a with a cat deck and specifically one that's stacked with wolves. But I like yeah, I said, dogs living together, total anarchy. <laughs> Did you say hold on, Teach? I, I I wanted to make sure that I heard you correctly. Ah, and it was a it was, and you said a cat's deck that plays dogs. That's what you said. A cat's deck or that wolves? plays wolves. <laughs> yeah, that well, yeah, you're right because wolves are dogs. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I totally I just, slipped up there. I, no, yeah. I just wanted to. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. No, nope, I, I appreciate that because now I'm an idiot. Well, I've always been an idiot, but you know. <laughs> that's not what I was going for. I thought you were making a joke, and I, I didn't want it going over my head. No, I wish I was making a joke. I was just making an <laughs> no. ass of myself. <laughs> so you're stupid. Uh, and then the last I, one. I is... thought you were going for the the do- cats and dogs living together joke, and then yeah, so did I. There was no response to my comment on it, so I'm just like, wait. I set myself up for it and didn't even realize I did it. (laughs) You softballed it into me, and then I realized you were bowling. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Just knocking them down where I can. Oh, wait. Last card on my list. I'm actually, as I'm saying this, I'm kind of surprised it didn't make my final cut, but my my number three honorable mention is Soren Vengeful Bloodlord. He's obviously the new Soren. Comes out with four loyalty counters for two generic, a white and a black, as long as it's your turn, creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. Plus two and Soren Vengeful Bloodlord deals one damage, target player or planeswalker. And minus X, return target creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a vampire in addition to its other types. So I'm just really happy that Soren is out of the rock and he is coming to wreak havoc. <laughs> he's been reprinted and he, he's he's the first planeswalker I ever pulled from a pack He's my favorite Planeswalker. I, I love him so much, so I'm definitely glad. And I can't wait to see where the actual story of this set takes him into Nahiri because, as we've discussed in previous episodes, the flavor text battle going on right now between oh God, yes. Nahiri and Soren is fantastic. So I am, I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. So 
that's those are my honorable mentions to get into my actual main list uh i'll just start us off since i'm the one who had the honorable mentions and number one like i said i believe we talked about this back and forth uh many times I have one of the finales in my list, and that is the finale of glory. So for X and two whites, you create X, two, two white soldier creature tokens with vigilance. If X is 10 or more, also create X, four, four white angel, angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. Also on my list. Hey, all right, sweet. I'm not the only one of us. Maybe I'm remembering this discussion wrong. (laughs) No, it was uh, Tej, Tej and I were arguing for and against it, and then I think you sided with him at the end. I was, yeah, I was not a fan of the finales. Out of all of them, the white one, I think, is the best. Uh, But Chanel and I were evaluating them differently. Yeah. True. That's true. You guys were approaching them from different angles. I'm really excited to see how this thing plays in EDH because mana ramp is really easy. I'm not saying that this is an easy card to play or to actually have resolve, but I think it could be a lot of fun in either an angel's deck, a human's deck, whatever kind of thing you're running. In, in white, in EDH, I think is going to be where you're going to get the max value out of this card rather than standard or, you know, especially in, in limited play. But I, I'm just, I'm excited to see how it works. I think the finales were a cool idea. I don't think they necessarily all work, but it's it's pretty cool to see, you know, the in, in Hour of Devastation, it was Hour of Everything, you know, and now we have the finale of everything. So it's kind of a cool dichotomy there between the two. And this was the one out of all the finales that that I liked the best, and I'm most excited to actually try to get to work in some sort of format, probably EDH. In EDH, yes. Like I was saying, uh, I wasn't a big fan of the finales in general because uh, my fear is, uh, and I don't know why I'm worried about what other people are going to do, but my fear of the (laughs) card is people are going to hold it in their hands and not want to play it because they want to hit that 12 mana to get maximum value on your card, and by doing so, you're 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 sacrificing uh, you're sacrificing good decisions and you're sacrificing uh, proper play in order to try to hit max value. Uh, and I'm not usually a huge fan of those kinds of cards. That being said, though, the 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 uh, light or I almost said lace finale uh, finale of glory. Uh, I think this one. My whole argument for it was uh, the the what you're the manner you're putting into at some point you start getting more bang for your buck because uh, it makes two twos and the the first two two is going to cost you three mana and 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 you would only want to play two mana for like a two two with vigilance but as soon as you put that second mana in there suddenly you're spending one card to get two two twos for four mana no i'm doing that wrong because it costs two mana right so it's Two yeah. plus X. Yep. Two plus X. Yeah. So four mana is your sweet spot. Right. Because you're getting two two twos with vigilance for four mana. And this is where um, Tej discovers linear algebra. <laughs> yeah. And then once you hit uh, once you hit five mana, suddenly you're only paying five mana for three two twos with vigilance, and that's when uh, you're getting more value. Yeah, that value really starts to swing up. In. So Schnell said the green one is going to make more of an impact in standard because of all the ramp and, and, and whatnot with the current standard environment, which I don't pay nearly as much attention to as he does. Uh, but simply from a, a cost-benefit point of view, um, I think the white one could potentially see play if you're spending one card to get two two twos of Vigilance for four mana. And uh, if nothing else, that's going to be a great card for limited. 
Yeah, I think so too. And like you said, as long as you're not sitting there in a limited game or a standard game without a plan or hoping to get all the way up to 12, you know, or greater, then, you know, like you said, you really start to see that value uptick really quickly when you're playing it for three or more. So even if you're holding on to it and you're paying, you know, late game, you pay seven for it, that's five two twos for seven mana. So there's definitely, as you were saying, a, a, a ton of value there. So I'm excited to see how this thing shakes out and to get a chance to use it in specifically in EDH where it might be a little easier to ramp to that land more quickly. Who's next? I could agree with that. Well, as I'm going through my list here and, and culling ones, I realize that out of, I don't want to say spite or anger, I cut almost every single rare and mythic from my list just because I don't care about rares and mythics. They're Every, everyone always focuses on them. They're like, oh, what was the rare in my car or in my pack? And then they pitch the rest if they don't like it. So the only the only rare that made the cut for my list, from my point of view, which this is strictly EDH, strictly personal EDH for me, Karn's Bastion. It's the uh, land, comes into play untapped, taps for one colorless mana, or pay for and proliferate. I think this thing is going to be an EDH staple in every friggin' deck that can benefit from counters of any kind. Just because tapping for a colorless land, or cap, tapping for a colorless mana with no downside of coming into play tapped, it's fantastic. Four for reusable proliferate is awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I also agree. I think that's a great. Uh... <laughs> That's a great card. That's a great pick. I'm really excited for it. Uh, when you sent us that picture earlier for oh, yeah, the promos promo. coming up, it's going to be a promo So uh, for War of the Spark weekend, and yep. the promo looks awesome. The whole card's awesome. I'm really excited for that card. I think it's I think it's going to be really, really, really useful. I've always enjoyed Karn as well, and my favorite EDH deck to run is my, my Karn Colorless. And because when I started building Karn, uh, this was before Battle for Zendikar, so there weren't wastes as yeah as basic lands for me to run. So I had to scrimp and find every single okay colorless land out there because <laughs> there are a lot that come into play tapped. Yeah. So finding the ones that don't come into play tapped and at least give me one mana, it was it was a stretch for a while. And now when somebody plays Tempt with Discovery. And I have the opportunity to search my deck for any amount of basic lands. I don't have to just hang my head and go, fail to find. Is that Karn Silver Golem? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen that deck. Yep, Karn Silver Golem and all of the fancy artifacts that can randomly fit together to assemble my Doomsday Machine. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> or like the other day I played it when like, Turn four, I happened into a uh, thespian stage in Dark Depths and then gave my uh, Merit Lage token a sword of fire and ice and <laughs> killed one person and then everyone else hated me off the board. I'm just I'm just picturing this giant monstrosity of tentacles just holding one sword. <laughs> just a tiny little sword just at the this... end of the tentacle. Just... <laughs> exactly. I've been frozen for a thousand years. <laughs> did grandpa squid get the sword guys <laughs> we told you not to let him out of the home <laughs> thought you were doing reader in uh reader repulsa <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't call me anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's a good joke yeah 
I'll pick a card, I guess. Yeah. Um, I also, so for my list, uh, <clears throat> last time we did one of these, there was a lot of uh, uh, cross-promotion across cards that we thought were good. And in an effort to have things to discuss, I decided to uh, try to pick one card from every color uh, at different rarity to try to put some uh, 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 variants in the list. And like Chanel said, a lot of the rares don't like really excite me, excite me. So I forced myself to put a couple on here, but uh, the one that I do, uh, the one that I do like, the one I'm looking forward to is Niv Mizzet Reborn. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took me a minute to uh, come around on that card when I first saw it, but the more I read about it, uh, the more I read the card, and the more I, I thought about what I could do with it, uh, I decided that. Uh, if I if I get one, I might be willing to try to make a deck around it. I'm trying to pull it up here. Where'd you go? I just saw you. <laughs> nope. Come back. It's good radio. <laughs> trying there to pull it up here. Can't find it. <laughs> uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn is a six six legendary dragon avatar with flying. And when he enters the battlefield, reveal the top ten cards of your library for each color pair. Choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So at first, uh, like my first thought is uh, how many, because, you know, you see that and my mind automatically goes to all the cards that I personally like to use in EDH. And this is a five color deck. So I'm thinking, need all my green for mana ramp, need all my black and blue for draw, need a... a white and red i guess for something i don't know what i'm gonna do with those colors but um, justice justice <laughs> white and red for justice white and red for justice <laughs> um, Taj- tajik approves <laughs> uh but the more i thought about it the i didn't think at first like how often am i gonna hit any two color cards i'd have to jam a shit ton into a deck to actually try to make this worth it then the more I thought about it is, uh, uh, what if every card in the deck was just two colors? Therefore, I, I not only can I guarantee to hit something, but it also forces uh, uh, extremely cool deck building restrictions. And I'm a big fan of, of restrictions in deck building. Uh, I think it could be definitely interesting to play around. Well, and also, I'm to, to add to his potential awesomeness... His ability reads when he enters the battlefield. He doesn't have to be cast, and he doesn't have to be cast from your hand. So if you flicker him, which in a five-color deck, you can always splash some flickering, you can get him to trigger multiple times, and looking at ten cards and hoping to get a couple of two colors, you you can you can get a lot of value off this guy. Oh definitely. There's there's potential there. So that's one I'm excited to I'm excited to try. Uh, but I've got a whole uh, I've got a whole list of potential edh decks in the back of my head niv mizzet's not one i'm going to seek out to get right away i've got some other things i want to do first but if by chance i open one or something it's uh it'll jump pretty far up in the queue for me to try to build around so uh, hopefully that happens it'll be fun absolutely i like that idea too to try to keep everything down to two colors that's cool it's a like you said it's a fun little restriction cool uh all right well number two on my list I guess in no particular order, just the second one that I've got here is is Narset's reversal. So I picked this card on my list. Hell yeah, I picked this card. <laughs> I picked this card for a number of reasons. Narset's back, and that's awesome. Good thing. Good thing Tej is avoiding cross pollination with this. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, this is why I picked 40 cards. <laughs> <laughs> the flavor text is great. In the disarray of battle, an enemy's attack may be your most convenient weapon. And I should probably tell you what the hell this card does. It's an instant for two blue, and it reads copy target instant or sorcery spell, then return it to its owner's hand. You may choose new targets for the copy. So, like the flavor text says, you can use this and make your opponent's spell, you know, your own best weapon or convenient weapon, as it says. Or you can use this to kind of spam and spawn your own spells. And the, the best part of it, though, to me, is that this the instant or sorcery spell that you're copying gets returned to your hand. No, yes. not your hand. Well, no, 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 sorry. I said that you're casting. <laughs> As in, if you cast it and you target it, it goes back to your hand. Because it says copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell. So if I Why if would I, you target your own spell, though? If it's a good one. So you can use it again. So I can use it again. But you wouldn't you wouldn't cast a spell and then I'm saying I I read this more. It's I read it more as counter somebody's, you know, elder spell and then they get to. But then next turn they get to cast their thing anyway. It's 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 like a a remand with a fork effect. Right. But there's no there's no this card doesn't counter it, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But by just returning it to its owner's hand, it removes it from the stack and effectively counters it for that turn. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is another one we're approaching from two different ways. Yep. You're, but, yeah, you're both correct. Yes. But. Right, and we're both looking at it from completely different angles. So I totally see what you're saying now. I took me a second, but I get it. Uh, I just think that this is going to be a really fun card to kind of just a new way to screw with people or in the case of using it defensively, buy yourself another turn. Oh yeah, I you know? I think it'll I I think it'll be another one that gets thrown into my EDH piles. It's very and, yeah, it's very versatile, which is why I put it on my list. Well, and I think that this is one of those cards that you know we've we've said it time and again. This deck or this deck, this set, in addition to what it's going to bring to standard, obviously, is going to impact formats beyond standard immediately. And I think that this is like you both said is something that's going to see play in EDH and in the right modern deck with with blue in it you know this could even see play there so i think this is just a card that's going to be kind of cross cross formats a multi-formatted card however you want to phrase it and i'm I'm just excited to see the ways people come come up with uh to actually use it so that's that's the second card on my list i thought it was a lot of fun um chanel i think you went after me before what do you what do you got next on your list uh going through my random commons and commons now arboreal grazer this is a one for one green. It I was going to say zero, this is the green guy, right? This is a zero three reach uh, beast creature. When he enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. I love this guy as a one drop creature. So it's you know ideal play turn one forest or your you know green shock land. Drop this guy and put another shock land because he says any land or put a land, not basic. Uh, from your hand to the battlefield tapped. Plus, again, like I point, uh, like I said with the the Teach's Nib Mizzet choice, it's just on the enters the battlefield, not off the cast trigger. And Wizards is usually pretty good about differentiating those like overpowered effects. Uh, but as as we have seen from some of the control lists in Standard right now, or I have because Teach doesn't pay that much attention. Growth spiral has been huge because it puts lands out mm-hmm. in uh, lands directly into play quickly, 
and being able to basically sneak in extra uh, land drops and for one green, I think this thing will be huge. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know why, but I overlooked that card when I was making my list. So I quickly took off the green common that I had and put that one on. So <laughs> that one's also on my list now. Cross pollinating. It's a great card. I'm really excited for it too. Yeah. I think it's super useful in the fact, like you said, well, it doesn't lock you zero, down to a specific. A zero three reach on turn one is right. a decent, you know, that's just, a huge okay, blocker setting up. Yeah. Yep. Dies to removal, though. Bad card. Anyway, uh, it sucks. See, the thing about that, though, is it already did its job. Yeah. So it can die to removal. I'll throw that little fucking monkey thing right at your doom blade. I don't give a shit. I got my land. <laughs> Peace out, monkey thing. Piece of monkey thing. I got my land out of you. You've served your <laughs> you purpose. You knew what this was. Well, and the <laughs> monkey and, thing. And another little fun thing for uh, for both standard consideration and uh, sealed. He's a zero three. He doesn't have defender though, and there's plenty of plus one plus one counters floating around in this set. So it's easy enough to uh, get him out there and then have a you know little attacker with a big butt who's already who's already ramped you. Yeah, this is a very well designed card. For some reason, it, uh, it 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 reminded me of I don't remember the name of it, but the land from Battle for Zendikar uh, that taps for colorless and enters tapped. Uh, but when it enters the battlefield, you get one mana of any color that you want. Crumbling Visage. That sounds right. And I was a big fan of that card during oh, yeah. Battle, Battle for Zendikar. Yeah, yeah, that just uh, that's what this little guy reminded me of when I very first saw it. Um, so yeah, definitely excited to play that card. Tease what you got. Me? Okay. Yeah, your turn. Uh, the next one on my list is Callous Dismissal. Uh, not on my I'm list. Big... Nope, oh, I did not have that one on my list. <laughs> oh, I'm a That's big good. fan of this card. Uh, this is an instant for one in a blue. Uh, sorcer- or, I'm sorry, not an instant. It's the sorcery. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Amass one. Oh, yeah. That there one. That one was on my list, and I cut it just because I had 30 cards on my list. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so just a brief reminder, uh, if for some reason we're the first people you are listening to about anything of this set, um, a mass is a new mechanic that always comes with a number. Uh, so a mass one is you put one plus one plus one counter on an army you control. An army is a new creature type. If you don't control an army, you create a zero zero black zombie army creature token first. So you're either putting a plus one plus one counter on an army you already have, or you're going to create an army token and then put a plus one plus one counter on it. And the reason I like Callous Dismissal uh, for limited play specifically is it's a mana war. It it it's it's a you're it's a sorcery sure, um, but it's a two mana sorcery. You're getting a body out of it, and you're re- and you're bouncing something back to your opponent's hand. And that's exactly what I want to be doing in limited. Not only am I removing a creature from my opponent's side of the board, but I'm getting one on my own. Callous Dismissal, I, I, I plan on playing every single one of these that I see, honestly. It's it's removal and it's a body at this, in the same card. Uh, I see nothing wrong with it, except for the fact that it's a sorcery. But uh, I feel like instant would be yeah. too powerful for its cost. Well, then you get armies, or you get zombie tokens on flash speed, which is, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah that's a little it. overpowered. Well, there are some bit. with instant instant amass, but to be able to like a a creature one creature swing that way or two creature swing, I suppose instant speed that's a bit bit overpowered. 
Agreed. But uh, Callous Dismissal, good card. That is a good card. I have an enchantment next on my list. (laughs) I don't know what that dramatic pause was for. Uh, I have in this envelope here (laughs) a list of logins. (laughs) When I log into my computer. (laughs) This enchantment is legendary. That's enough lead up. Uh, the next card on my list is Oath of Kaya. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this. It's a legendary enchantment. It's another Planeswalker Oath for a generic, a white, and a black. When Oath of Kaya enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any target, and you gain three life. So one of the cool things about this is that it says any target. So opponent, creature, Planeswalker, whatever, you can deal three damage to it, which is great. So three damage for three land and three life. That right there is great. And then uh, the static effect is whenever an opponent casts a Planeswalker, uh, or sorry, whenever an opponent attacks a Planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, Oath of Kaya deals two damage to that player and you gain two life. So they're also being punished now anytime they attack a Planeswalker that, that you control. And the cool thing is it's with one or more creatures. So it's not like, oh, if they attack you with three creatures, you know, where they have control over it. It's nope. If you're attacking a Planeswalker, you're paying for it regardless. So I just think that's a lot of value for a three mana card. Now, granted, it is two different color mana, so you have to have access to that. But really, that's not that difficult. And in standard, Orzhov is such a huge thing right now. This will slot right into so many of those decks and I think just make them all the better. Esper Control is just going to run wild with this thing, in my opinion, since they're running Kaya's anyway and, you know, all kinds of black-white stuff. So I'm really excited for this. I like to play white and black together, and I'm really excited to to try this card out. So that's my number three, Oath of Kaya. That one was on my list up until I decided to cut all the rares and mythics from my list because I assumed that it would already be talked about. Speaking of sacrifice... Or whatever. Oh, you were just saying. oh. punishments. No, punishments. Wait. That was it. Gideon's sacrifice. Time, what? I said oh. time out. No, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's ruined. Keep. We can edit. All right. Stick this in before Chanel starts talking. Chanel's already on my list. <laughs> I okay, think we lost Chanel. Okay. <laughs> Kaya's ghost form. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Gideon's Sacrifice for one white mana. It is an instant. Choose a creature or planeswalker you control. All damage that would be dealt this turn to you and permanents you control is dealt to the chosen permanent instead. If it's still on the battlefield. It's a good card. To Liliana's surprise, the cost of betraying Bolas did not fall on her. I like that flavor text too. Oh my god. Every single card that I've seen so far is just gorgeous art and flavor text for the story and i hope that wizards is half willingly testing the waters to see if they could do a movie or a mini series or a direct to netflix documentary of magic storyline things yes because with the story that they have going on and all these like basically screenshots from a movie we'll never get to watch uh it's, they've just done such a good job with the storytelling and the friggin' like quality of that trailer, I'm still like I get tingles just you know anytime I hear that cover now, which I need to download that cover of uh in the end, and get That's all a emotional. Good call actually, I should look that up too. Yeah, well, one of the one of the set designers I know shared it on his Twitter. He's like, if you guys were wondering, here it is. 
Yeah, I saw it. I just uh, yeah. didn't think about it. But but no, I think this card is fantastic in, with the amount of like burn going on right now. And once you get outside of even standard, having your sacrificial creature, or in the instance that I immediately want to do it with uh, a red-white deck that does a Blasphemous Act and then Stuffy Doll. Yep, I like that too. Yeah. Deal damage to everything and everyone, but then redirect all mine to Stuffy Doll, and then redirect it all to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Because that's how I play Magic. Hell yeah. Four card minimum combos. <laughs> Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you got, Teach? Okay, uh, Schnell uh, gave me a good segue into the next card I'll talk about on my list. By bringing up uh, the story. So whether or not you like the direction that the story of War of the Spark went in, it doesn't change the fact that this is by far the best set they've ever done story-wise. And by that I mean uh, like every single card in this, te- in this set tells a story. They did a thing on the on the Wizards website. Um, if you look at if you look at the bottom of some of the cards, like the one I'm going to talk about, uh, it says Spotlight Act Three. Um, there's a bunch of different cards that have Spotlight Act One, Spotlight Act Two. If you go to the Wizards website uh, and you look at the acts, they'll show cards in a certain order that tell you like the story of how everything is going. And uh, uh, the card I want to talk about is Heartwarming Redemption. Um, this is the this is near the end of the story. Spoiler alert! If you don't want to hear how War of the Spark ends, turn it off now. Uh, <laughs> but don't turn it off because we've got more cards. Actually, uh, Schnell already spoiled it for you, so it's not my fault. It's Schnell's fault. Gideon sacrificed himself. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I Gideon's, didn't know that. Uh, Gideon's dead. Um, and he. Then how and is he, he on your card? <laughs> He died doing what he loved, which was protecting people he cared about. Uh, he took uh, Liliana's punishment for her. He, Jesus Christ, did Liliana. Um, <laughs> only... <laughs> Is that like a sex move? <laughs> <laughs> hearing, hearing Jesus Christ as a verb, just like <laughs> Jesus Christ did her. <laughs> Twice, <laughs> it just it just kind of came to me. I didn't plan that. <laughs> I, I like it. Um. Uh. Anyway, he uh he spent his entire life. Uh. Uh. This is why I love this particular card so much. Gideon's spark ignited when he accidentally yet extremely arrogantly got all of his friends murdered by a Theros god. <laughs> Uh, so, so he dedicated the rest of his life to protection and heartwarming redemption shows him in Theros heaven reuniting with all of his friends. Uh, the flavor text says, uh, Kithian had known war every day of his life. Now he finally knew peace. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. A lot of the things, a lot of these cards like really, really made me feel stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I agree. And this, the the trailer like like the trailer like when we watched the trailer live that one day there were people in the audience tearing up at it uh and the trailer as moving as it was didn't make me tear up but watching other people tear up at it 
made me feel good because it, it this means something to people. In this entire story, this entire Gideon arc from his, the the igniting of his spark up until his final moments here, and the full circle that that wizards did for us, where he got all his friends killed, yet they're embracing him in Pharaoh's heaven. It's really touching. I mean, it shows that his friends never hated him for what he did. Uh, they didn't blame him for doing it, despite the fact that it was his fault. And now that he's in Pharaoh's heaven, he's reunited, and he feels forgiven, and he feels like his life actually did mean something after all. And just that entire story, like, Gideon's uh, not, in my opinion, the stakes could have been a little bit higher in the story. We could have lost more people than we actually did. But that being said, the the way the story goes, I'm okay with it overall. And I and a lot of people don't like the way that uh, that it concludes. I like the way it concludes. I'm now I'm just rambling. Uh, Heart Warrior <laughs> Redemption, by the way, is an instant for two a red and a white. Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. You gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. That's a decent card. It's it's card draw in Boros, uh, which is something you don't see too often. But that's not why I picked it. I picked it because of the the, the flavor, the arts, and the all around story arc that that Gideon went on. And I feel like Wizards gave us a a good conclusion to his character, uh, and that card makes me really happy. Yeah, I think that's I think that's yeah. a great choice, and I I like how you brought attention to the fact that it says spotlight act whatever on you know a number of these cards because yeah when you went to the site now when you (laughs) when you sit and think about it what we're looking at is the storyboarding of a movie like you know i'm kind of putting together the two things you guys said you know so schnell you talked about with this this is the closest we've come to actually getting a scripted event that could be seen in some sort of way in a picture, whether that's a live action film, a cartoon, you know, whatever. And, and then you look at these and they're storyboarded moments of these huge story beats. So it's just a cool way of, of putting that all together. I think you drew, I think the two of you segueing, you know, from one to the other like that painted a really nice picture of, of just what this is and just how big of an impact it's having on the broader magic audience. I, I, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm really excited and I'm glad that we were able to kind of kind of work that into our discussion and speaking of big story moments i i kind of wrestled with whether or not i wanted to put this on my list because i thought it was too obvious but at the same time i really want to play it and just see how it works and schnell you nailed it yep (laughs) (laughs) i put the elder spell on my list so this is a sorcery for two black mana destroy any number of target planeswalkers Choose a Planeswalker you control and put two loyalty counters on it for each Planeswalker destroyed this way. So this card has a ton of upside and a ton of potential. In theory, I want to see how it works in in Standard. I want to see how this thing works in Modern. And I want to see how this thing works in EDH. So I think it's a very versatile card that can, get, that can be pulled off in many formats. But is it going to live up to the potential that looks like it's printed on this card, you know, we'll see if you're playing someone who, you know, if you're playing in an EDH pod where, you know, somebody plays super friends a lot, hell yeah, that thing's going to be great. But it's also something that you might want to start with sideboarding. If you don't know what's in this person's deck, because if there are no planeswalkers, well, now you've wasted one to four slots in your deck, depending on the format and, and what you're running. So 
it's a lot of potential, but you also have to know your opponent because otherwise it's a complete waste. So that's kind of why there's there's some stakes with it, uh, but I'm definitely excited to see how, how it ends up playing. Yeah, Elder Spell's really cool. Agreed. But if they don't have Planeswalkers... But the thing is, at least in Standard right now and any casual thing people are going to have planeswalkers oh right so I, well and i mean I there's think planeswalkers in every pack so if you sit in a, a draft and you pull one of these people are going to have planeswalkers safe, it's a safe bet to make depending on the format but i i absolutely agree agreed uh and then the other thing i want to mention real quick is i do like the flavor text on the uh on this one too the path to power is often paved with atrocities i just thought that fits it super well <laughs> i love that so yeah that's my number four what do you have snow um, I went with a weird one. This one is me sort of grasping at a uh, deck I would like to see more of. And the card is Mayhem Devil. It is a 3-3 devil for one, a red and a black. Whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, Mayhem Devil deals one damage to any target. Just because, with the, like, especially the Judith lists that I've seen right now, just pumping out little guys and the sacrificing your own guys to deal more damage. Yeah, spamming gutter that, bones, reassembling skeletons, yeah, and all the crap like that. I want to see this guy really help bring those decks into a slightly more competitive structure. And it's a devil with fireballs on a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do love the artwork for that. <laughs> I'm upset that the flavor text is not bold words for someone not on a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> but the Wizards has been very serious with this set, and I doubt they'd make a one-piece abridged reference in a in a card. But the flavor text is, despite their stake in the city's survival, Rakdos cultists are loath to pass up any opportunity to sow chaos. Which... Again, with the nature of everything going on and, you know, their entire world at stake, they're just, ah, let's also just smash some shit because we're, we're Rakdos. <laughs> let's Plus, I'm pretty sure I saw that hardware guy just ride our boss up into battle. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even mention that yet. Gideon fucking rides Rakdos in this story. <laughs> he just mounts up and rides. Take that however you want to. <laughs> Well, Lawn because... Garden isn't on the other side of the store. We can get there, but you have to carry me. <laughs> right? I'm not. I'm not walking. <laughs> For anyone who's missed it, this story needs some context. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We do. We do a different podcast <laughs> called Beard Gamers. And we were playing the arch enemy, uh, Nicol Bolas, and my brother. <laughs> we were all giving backstories to the planeswalkers that we were playing, or, well, or Bolas. Um, Although that this planeswalkers, it's a planeswalker bolas in the bolas deck, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're all giving these background stories, and my brother is playing Gideon, and he called him Gideon of the Hardware Department, <laughs> and this whole had this whole backstory about how Gideon was this like rejected athlete from high school who just went to work in a hardware store it was, it was the funniest fucking thing i've ever heard he peaked in high school and now that he works in in the hardware store he tries to bring up all his past accomplishments to people <laughs> it was it's if you yeah so find that the beard gamers podcast listen to the arch enemy nickel bolus episode and listen to my brother explain gideon of the hardware department the because hardware department. It, it is hysterical so anyway, sorry, I had to throw that in there since we just took it and ran. Uh, Teach, what do you what's what's number four on your list? All right. Um <clears throat> uh my my next pick is Narset Parter of Veils. 
Good call. There are uh, a lot of planeswalkers in this deck, uh, in the sets even. Um, <laughs> there's like uh, 36 of them, 37 of them, and we haven't really talked too much about the planeswalkers. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of the planeswalker designs in the set. The the every planeswalker has a static or triggered ability in addition to its loyalty. Uh, all the uncommons have minus loyalties, and that's it. All the rares have one plus, one minus, and all the mythics have three loyalty abilities like you would normally expect. And a lot of them do a lot of really cool things. Uh, some, of them are, some of them appear to be super narrow, and they were developed specifically to counter strategies either in modern or in standard. And Narset is, uh, is, is kind of one of them. Three mana, uh, one and two blue for a five loyalty planeswalker, but she's uncommon, which means she's only going to go down. She's not going to go up unless you proliferate her. Uh, her static ability is each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. It doesn't sound like much, but that is a strong. Uh, that's a strong effect in in EDH. Yeah, it's huge. And I would I would also imagine. Uh, Standard, that's probably going to see some play. Uh, is it is is it Phoenix still going around? Is it Drake? Oh yeah, definitely. Those sort of things. Well, and there's uh, this kind of ties into my last card too, this strategy. But if you're looking at blue and mill, so if you're looking at uh, specifically, what am I thinking of? Drown Secrets, where anytime you cast a blue spell, you mill, or Psychic Corrosion, whenever you draw cards, you mill. If you get an engine like that going, you know. Vroom, vroom. Right, it it helps pump the brakes <laughs> on that where your opponent can't mill you when they're drawing cards. See, and when I saw this when I saw this card for the first time, I was still doing that thing I told you about earlier in the episode where we were uh, where I've been uh, messing around with some EDH decks, and I just finally put some finishing touches on my Niv Mizzet deck, which runs a shit ton of wheel effects. If I throw Narset in there, then my opponents can't wheel with me. Which is awesome. <laughs> right. Isn't that why Leovold was banned in EDH as a commander? Leovold, Leovold had more going on than just the simple each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Uh, but I did see so, people comparing this to Leovold. Like, holy shit, you know. Because they share Leovold some of the same banned. words. That's right. why people do Exa- it. Exactly. Exactly. This isn't nearly as powerful as Leovold was. And I, uh, in my opinion, I don't think Leovold needed to be banned in the first place. It, I don't think uh, so either. Learn to play. Ha- right? Uh, having played against that Leovold deck, it, he, he, there's not much you can do when your opponent's constantly emptying your hand. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. But, I mean, it's not any more... Anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> I, could, I could go on a tangent about that, too. I'm not um, done arguing about Leovold. Anyway. <laughs> No, Narset, yeah, similar to Leovold in that each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Um, also, her minus two, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. That's exactly what I want to be doing in my niv Mizzet deck anyway, is just searching for those wheel effects. Uh, find it, play it, I get to draw more cards, you buttholes can't. Profit. I mean, I Narset, I got really excited when I saw that. I, I, like a lot of these, I could, I looked at these planeswalkers and I was like, yeah, I could find a use for that. Or yeah, I can see where this would be useful in this specific format. Uh, but Narset was one where I looked at and I was like, 
I could use this. I know what to do with this card. Uh, and that excited me. So that brings us to the final cards on our list, which is great because we've been going for about an hour and that's what we were shooting for. Everything's looking good. The fifth card on my list is, I think, the first uncommon, uh, actually, on my on my main list. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and that is Ashiok Dream Render. I am super, super excited to get this card once, oh God, it's the 25th, I think it's Thursday, that War of the Spark hits Arena. So I've been saving up some uncommon wild cards just to craft Ashiok because I need this in my Dimir deck because it has a mill strategy built in it. And I love the fact that that's what she does. So one, uh, actually, Ashiok is sexless, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it is a genderless, yes, a genderless thing, from thing somewhere. Yes. So I apologize for that. So that's Stay what woke. That's what Ashiok does. Stay woke. So Ashiok is a one generic and then uh, two hybrids. So a blue or a black and a blue or a black. And spells. So uh, it's static ability. Spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their library. So that's awesome. First of all, and then Ashiok comes into play with five loyalty counters and the ability is only a minus one. So you can use this ability five times if the the card isn't removed before that. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. This thing's an uncommon. <laughs> I don't know how because it is super, super powerful. It's built super well, and I can't wait to put this into a deck with things like I had just mentioned in Psychic Corrosion, Drowned Secrets, uh, disinformation campaign and other things like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun to mill and exile stuff. And again, so for minus one, you're milling four cards and, and Ashiok has five loyalty counters. You can mill 20 cards if this thing doesn't die from, from this card alone. It's, it's awesome. It's really easy to get in it. If you're playing Dimir and you've got the, the mana base built right in it, it's easy to t- cast turn three. So I am I am extremely excited to run this card and see it run and just watch it irritate the shit out of people because I think <laughs> it's going to. And I'm very, very, very excited for this card. I like it. I'm torn on it for one thing. Shutting down your opponent's searching is great, but in my modern mill, that means I can't archive trap you. That's the one thing. It's just, ah, I want to archive trap so bad. Yeah, but other than I, that, I yeah, milling, milling, milling twenty for for three mana, but over those turns, I think it, it might see play in modern just because of the static effect more than the more than just the all out card mill. But mill, in my experience, mill is a lot like red in that late. It all comes down to like late game where it's God. I hope I draw what exactly I need because it's it's on the luck of the draw and having just some continual effects like that. I think will be really helpful. Yep, I agree. And if you can get that thing online early and people have stuff towards the top of their deck that they really need, you know, based on the shuffle and you're watching, I just love watching people's faces when you're binning stuff that they're like, ah, God, I needed that. Mm -hmm. Although I don't love watching my own face when it happens to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no. I am a fan of that. Wait, I've been doing this to people? (laughs) Maybe I I am the bad guy here. I'm a monster. (laughs) So Ashiok Dream Render, that's my number five. Chanel, what do you got? Uh, well, my list still has 11 cards, so I'm going to go with the, the most, the, the most excited one that, uh, I have left. Uh, Lazatep Plating. 
It is a one and a blue instant, a mass one, which we all know what a mass does now. Put a plus one, plus one counter on an army you control. If you don't control one, create a zero, zero black army creature token first. But more importantly, you and permanents you control gain hexproof until the end of the turn. I think that's huge. Yeah, that's and awesome. For two mana instant speed, you and everything you have, because it's all permanents, gain hexproof, even if it's just for a turn. In in this in in the standard format right now, this makes control even more annoying to deal with. And it gives you creatures or a creature or makes your army bigger. And it's super cheap. I think this thing is awesome. And it's got badass art of a zombie being hit with a fireball and not reacting. Yeah, I like that card for all of the reasons you just stated, too. That art is <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I I imagine that this is going to be one of those, like, probably dollar uncommons after a few weeks of, of the set being out. Yeah, it's going to be like... That's my bold prediction. Yeah, the $1. whole ter- Terramander thing and other stuff like that, you know. It's since we're losing dive down in October, I think this will be a pretty good a good uh, replacement. Yep, that's that would be a good replacement for dive down. Yeah, very good replacement. Teach, finish that's us me. off. All right, then I'll talk about my last card. Hey, <laughs> um, I'm actually going to do uh, one honorable mention before I talk about my last card uh, because I want to talk about both these cards. Uh, both of these cards I chose not because of what the card does. I chose them because of their flavor. My honorable mention is Dreadmulkin. <laughs> it is a 1-1 zombie cat with menace. And you can pay two in a black and sacrifice another creature or planeswalker to put two plus one plus one counters on Dreadmulkin. Uh, this is an eternal cat. This is a cat that came from Amonkhet to join <laughs> Bolus's army. Here's the flavor text. The feline eternal fell to Liliana's command looked at her disdainfully, flicked its paw, and scampered away across the rooftops. <laughs> Zombie cats, just like real cats, are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and even when the necromancer brings you back to life and tells you to do shit, a cat's not going to listen to you. I magically control you. Fuck you, I'm a cat. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I'm going to knock your glass off this table and walk away, Brenda. <laughs> don't, don't you do it. Don't you do it! <laughs> Knocks the army off the table. Uh, Your love, move. I love. I love Dreadmulkin. That's a great and my great and pick. my number one card in the set. Uh, in the set, I'm going to say again. Nicobolus dragged all these planeswalkers to Ravnica from from all over the multiverse, so he could harvest their sparks and become a god. Uh, and most of the people who got dragged over to Ravnica were like, holy shit, this is super scary. We should probably band together and do something about it. Some people didn't care that much. For example, Nahiri and Soren basically just looked at each other and both said, you, at the same time, (laughs) and then ran away to do their own thing. Which, by the way, leads me to believe that at the very end of the story, someone's going to open a closet door to see those two making out. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. I hate you more. Oh, God, I love you so much. (laughs) My number one card in the set is Obnixilus's Cruelty. Because Obnixilus, just like Soren and Nahiri, got dragged away from wherever he was into this war that he doesn't give a shit about, so he went off and did his own thing. (laughs) Here's the flavor text. Trapped on Ravnica with no affection for either side, 
Omnixilis sought gratification in random acts of torment. Here's, <laughs> here's the artwork. Omnixilis smiling gleefully, lighting a bird on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a war behind this giant demon, and he's just sitting on the ground with his legs crossed with a bird in his hand, lighting it on fire. And the, and the grin on his face is just maniacal. <laughs> <laughs> and his wings are just spread. <laughs> he is He is happy. He is a happy demon. <laughs> I hope he's not killing a healing hawk, though. That would be upsetting to me. It looks, it looks like, like some sort of dove. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a random bird. Yeah. Like like at the end of uh, Thor the Dark World, where that giant monster is just chasing those birds around. Yeah. It's Abnixilis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's a, a an instant for two and a black. Target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn. If that creature would die, exile it instead. Oh, uh, it's fantastic. It's it's a great card. It's yeah. it's an all-around really great card. Flavor-wise, it's just entertaining, but yeah, finally um, finally bumping up the removal, like sp- like specific removal like that to the five count, because yes. Lava Coil has been great, but it doesn't get Nibmizit, it doesn't get even that stupid 1-5 uh, Illusionist who makes birds. What the hell's that? <laughs> Murmuring, Murmuring Mystic. Murmuring Mystic, yep. Murmuring Mystic, yeah. Actually pumping it up and just going, yep, negative five. I can kill whatever I need to now. Yes. So that's it. We did it. We did it. There's our lists. And now now we wait. We wait for Friday when it all goes down. <sighs> so um, are, are any of you guys also getting the book? Which, well, it comes out t- tomorrow from when we recorded this. Uh, uh, I will be getting my copy on Friday. Okay. Yep, I'll be picking mine up over the weekend, too. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to actually reading this. Amazon says I'll have mine tomorrow, so I'm going to try and read it with my one day off tomorrow. Nice. I might come into the shop and sort more magic cards, but honestly, I need a day off from magic, so I'm going to read some magic books. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And I I really like the uh, the list we came up with. It was probably smart to do more than... I should do that next time too, just in case. Yeah. And then they all laughed at me. I'm I'm the one who I'm I'm the outlier here. But I, you know, the the list was cool for a lot of different reasons. Whether it was artwork, flavor text, what the card's actually going to do, what it might not do, you know, whatever. So that was awesome. I'm really looking forward to getting together with you guys over the weekend and taking part in the pre-release weekend. Like I said, we will definitely be doing a recap of that just like we did for Ravnica Allegiance. So make sure to tune in for that uh, in a couple weeks. But we should also do a book club discussion if we all finish the book quick enough. Yes, we will do that. And then actually in a few days, we will be able to discuss the Planeswalker tournament as well because I think today was the uh, semifinal voting. So we'll go to the finals. My guess is it's going to be Ugin and Lily. Okay, spoiler alert. I don't know how your brackets are looking. The right side of my bracket, near flawless. I think I had one, and I need to confirm, but I, I it was almost everything completely correct. The left side, I apparently don't know anything about the internet or how they vote, because almost every single choice was wrong. The only thing I got wrong on the left side, I picked Bolas over Ugin. I also picked Bolas over Ugin. I also picked Tabalt over uh, Sarkon in the first, like, the play-in round oh, or did whatever you? it was. Yeah, and I'm like, the internet's gonna gonna give us to bolts, right? And because then, they love no. them. 
Nope, kill him off first thing. The only other one I got wrong was I picked Kiora over Obnixilis. Although those are the only two I've gotten wrong so far. Okay, and we'll and we'll compare the right. the final ones right. and see who is the most magic smart. Who's the magicest yeah. magical magicer? Yes. I didn't um I didn't actually do it yet. I was going to, uh, <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, uh, if I had to print it out and then write on it and then scan it and then email it back in, oh no, they they gave you a part PN, of that. They gave you a, like a, a JPEG file, so I just I edited it in. Uh, there was uh, a fillable PDF too. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, and then I you just guys I made know it an your attachment. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you screwed up your microphone and couldn't <laughs> record for a week, so I fixed it when I disabled it somehow. So. Yeah, it's a really weird fix. I'm still not sure how that works, but you're here, and that's the that's what anyway, matters. We're happy to have. My you. point is, my point is, I will fill it out how I would have anyway. I don't even know what any of the results are. <laughs> I'm going to shut up then. Following it. So <laughs> before I continue uh, to give away, whatever you I mean, say isn't it going was to weird. influence what I. It choose. was weird to see Tabalt go all the way <laughs> and the Wanderer and all the right? other new planeswalkers. Anyway, yeah, so, well. Yeah, I'll still fill it out as if the, the way I would have done it anyway, uh, just because it'll be fun to see how wrong everyone on the internet is but me. <laughs> Agreed. Well, thank you guys for sitting down for this one. Like I said, really looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a blast to sit down and play and a blast to recap it next weekend. In the meantime, for our listeners, thank you again, as always, for tuning in. Please make sure you tell a friend. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, anywhere you consume your podcast. You can find our social channels on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Homebrew Magic. And, you know, in the meantime, get ready. Good luck at your pre-release. Have fun. And don't drink and scry. <laughs>